Good evening and welcome to our Saturday uh, evening broadcast. It's an honor to be with you all tonight. And uh, as we um, as we close out our series on fallible leadership and the role that the community, community of God's people uh, can play in providing support uh, when we run into such problems. Uh, but before I jump into my message tonight, I want to welcome all of you, especially those of you who are first time visitors. Thank you so much for uh, spend a little time with us this evening. Uh, we hope that you will jump over to our website, newarkupc.info. Thank you. See that scrolling on the bottom of our screen. Uh, you can let us know you were here uh, by filling out an I new card or, and leaving us your information. Uh, from that card, we can submit. We can uh, send you reminders uh, when our, our messages go live and, and other related uh, notifications. Uh, for the rest of you who are always here, we are honored to have you here again. And I know you guys uh, enjoyed jumping on uh, live and sharing uh, uh, in the comment section and that manner of thing. But welcome to you all. Uh, as I mentioned, this is the last message uh, in our series of infallible leadership. And I'm looking forward to jumping into the word. But before I do, let's pray and let's ask God to be in our midst tonight. Jesus, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity to gather together in your name. God, we ask that you would be in our midst, oh God, that you would minister to each and every person, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to glean something from your word, oh God, that we can apply to our lives, Lord Jesus. Uh, for you desire that we be doers of your word and not just hearers, Lord Jesus. Help it, oh God, to um, soak into our hearts, into our minds, oh God, and help us, God, to be better uh, from what we learn from your word. Be with us this night, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've had a pretty interesting week. Uh, we started off our series uh, this week with uh, examples from the life of Moses, um, again, in talking about fallible leadership and infallible leadership. I mean, humans have uh, humans can go wrong. Humans can make mistakes and we're not perfect. God is the only one who is perfect. And so we looked at the life of Moses and some of the experiences he had and and how the community uh, rallied around him and helped him uh, in his ministry. Uh, in particular, we looked at. Um, when the Israelites were in the battle with the Amalekites and literally uh, as long as Moses arms were raised, uh, the, the, the Israelite army prevailed. And when his arms came down, uh, you know, they, they began to lose. And so um, talk about community, you know, Aaron and her literally held his arms up and, and uh, helped the Israelite army by doing so, you know, defeat the Amalekites. And also there was another example um, of, of Jethro um, Moses' uh, father-in-law, who who saw Moses doing way too much, and and a lot of us can relate to that. If you're in any leadership role, a lot of times we do way too much, and how he would spend all day, you know, judging the people and hearing their matters, and and not only were the people waiting in these long lines to have access to Moses, but again, Moses was spending all his time that way. And Jethro, Jethro approached him and said, "Look, you know, this is not good. This is not good for you or the people." And so Jethro uh, drew his attention to this community of people you have around you who could help you carry this load. Use these people, Moses. And so the bottom line is not only was Moses better for that, but so was the community at large. And so we see examples there of how the community can provide support. Uh, uh, Wednesday, Ross shared with us uh, in our live Bible study, you know, he looked at the life of Peter and, uh, you know, Peter behaving like a hypocrite, you know, it was fine to eat with the Gentiles when nobody was around. But when the Jews came, he got new on them. We, we know people like that. And, and Paul withstood him to his face, you know, called him out for that. But in the end, even though it, I'm sure that was pretty embarrassing to, to, to uh, Peter, in the end, Peter was better for that. 
right? He, he learned from that. And, and, and again, I would say, so was the community of believers better for that when it was over. And Brother Moss with us, you know, he shared the, um, the ministry of, well, he shared the life of Saul and kind of, re, you know, reminded us of, you know, Saul, King Saul was one who was always making excuses and, you know, had a hard time carrying out what God told him to do fully and got himself into a jam accordingly. And uh, in that he showed the value of the community in, in various events uh, in, in Paul's reign, how the community rallied to, to deal with Saul. And so tonight I'm going to turn to a pretty horrible example, to be frank, of failed leadership. And we're going to look at the story of Eli, the priest, uh, and his sons, who were also priests at, at Shiloh. And we're going to look at that story and see what we can glean from that tonight about the value of community uh, in supporting um, leadership that has gone, you know, gone, gone wonky. So first we meet Eli in the scriptures within the story of Hannah. You know, Hannah is a very popular story. Hannah was the wife of Elkanah and, and uh, you know, they would come to the to the tabernacle at Shiloh, you know, year after year. And poor Hannah was desperate for a child. We see that sort of a repeated story throughout the scriptures. And, um, you know, Hannah had been praying for a child and praying for a child. And uh, Eli's sons were priests at the time. And, you know, so this one particular day, we're going to pick up in the story at First Samuel uh, 1, and we're going to pick up at verse 9. And it says, um, so once after a sacrificial meal, this is when you know Hannah and her family had come up to, to the tabernacle, as they customarily did. Uh, after the sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and she went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was deep in anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she was made, I'm sorry, and she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. And as she prayed to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. And Hannah replies, oh, no, sir, I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm um, I'm very discouraged. And I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. I think that was a very interesting interaction between um, Eli and Hannah there. But the KJV says this of uh, Hannah's response, count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Bilal, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. So Hannah is saying, you know, I am not a wicked woman, but I thought it was interesting here that that was Eli's assumption, right? I'm, I'm sure that's where people came to, to the tabernacle to do, to offer sacrifices and pray and that many thing. And just thought that was interesting that he, you know, made that assumption about her. Uh, but the good thing is Eli backtracked and uh, he changed his position on that. And he, in turn, uh, prays a blessing for her. He prays that God would grant her a petition. And sure enough, you know, about that time next year, she did conceive and had a child. Um, and she would later, as she as she vowed to the Lord, she did later bring this child, Samuel, uh, to the temple at Shiloh and dedicated him to the Lord's service. And, and there he worked for Eli. But I just kind of gave you that as context around this, um, the, the, the happenings of this tabernacle. I'll give you some feel for that. So I'm going to go to verse First uh, Samuel chapter 2. I'm going to jump in with, with verse 12. And it says, now Eli... I'm sorry. Now, the sons of Eli were scoundrels 
who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork. While the meat of the sacrificed animal was still boiling, the servant would stick the fork into the pot and demand that whatever it brought up be given to Eli's sons. All the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Sometimes the service would come even before the animal's fat had been burned on the altar. He would demand raw meat before it had even been boiled so it could be used for roasting. The man offering the sacrifice might reply, take as much as you want, but the fat must be burned first. Then the servant would demand, no, give it to me now or I'll take it by force. So the sin of these young men was very grievous in the sight, uh, in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offering with contempt. So here we just have a glimpse here. Eli's sons were off the chain, okay? And they, and they were affecting the people of God. It wasn't something they were doing in secret, right? They were, they were uh, doing this as a part of their responsibilities. They were out of control. Let's drop down to verse 22. It says, now Eli was very old, but he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. Mm -mm -mm. That's all I'm gonna say. Eli said to them, have I, been, I have been hearing reports from all the people about the wicked things you are doing. Why do you keep sinning? Why, you must stop my sons. The reports I hear among the Lord's people are not good. If someone sins against another person, God can mediate for the guilty party. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede? But Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father, for the Lord had already planned to put them to death. Whew, that's a scary scenario right there. So even though Eli spoke to the sons, they paid him no harm. These, these dudes were hardcore. And so I want to remind you that we're looking at this story of Eli and his son to talk about fallible leadership. The fact that leaders are human and therefore don't always handle themselves appropriately. Sometimes in minor, you know, very everyday kind of things, but in other situations, leaders can epically blow it. Okay. And we see that in the scenario with Eli and his son so far. But as we look at the fallibility of humans, leaders in particular, like we're doing tonight, we can draw out the importance. We tonight we want to draw out the importance of the community of believers. Okay, so these leaders they're not islands unto themselves, right? There's a community of believers that that are involved here. And so we look at the Eli and his sons, and we might say, "How in the world did this happen?" Okay, now maybe I say I think about that. Okay, here's the tabernacle where people come to offer sacrifices and and pray. It's a place of worship, and and how is this happening in plain sight? You know laying with the with the women at the temple and, and you know just you know taking the offering the best of it and, and just doing how does that happen? Now first of all, I'm trying to stay track here because I know I'm talking about the community of believers, but you know, as a parent, I looked at this story and I thought, you know, these boys didn't just get this way. Okay, now I'm all right, I, I'm sure that as a parent, Eli saw things in his sons early on that he didn't deal with. Okay, so one thing that I see here that's glaringly is how do they ever um, begin to perform in the role of priest with that kind of behavior? 
And uh, I know sometimes as, as children get older, particularly teenagers and young adults, it may be a little harder to check them, but it's much easier to check a small child or a younger child than it is, um, you know, someone older. So anyway, I'm just looking at that. And I'm analyzing how in the world did this get so bad? And so as, I'm, as much as I hate to, to, to say that there are things that go on in churches right now, right? Things like this. Notice I say like this still happen. Uh, and so uh, we, we, I won't say we all have, but we know of, of scenarios that where men and women of God who, you know, themselves, right? The, the, the pastor and his wife, for example, they, they may be honorable people of God and they may be faithfully carrying out their responsibilities and caring for people and leading the church. But they have children who have no regard for the things of God. And some of you probably say, mm-hmm, right? we, we've all seen it happen. And so you have these young people who are given uh, positions or responsibility in the church, um, sometimes because they're family, simply because they're family. Um, sometimes their, their, their parents have this vision of grandeur and, and want to elevate their kids regardless of their hearts. Right? They, they know little Johnny ain't right. But, you know, maybe they look at this, this church thing as a legacy to be carried on. And it is a legacy when, when things are being done right. But you just don't promote. Just for the sake of you know carrying on your name, if you will, this is not your kingdom. Uh, but nonetheless, let me let me let me stay on focus right here. But you know, some feel like it's a, a sense of entitlement. Uh, you know, and and uh, some you know blatantly want to keep the power in the family. I'm just giving you some ways that people look at things. So, and and that's not always family. So I'm using the story of Eli and his sons here, but it doesn't always just relate to family. I mean, sometimes leadership allows others in the, in the church, other people in leadership roles that are not family members. And, and, or, and even there's scenarios when there's other people in the church, for example, who are not in leadership, who are allowed to kind of run amok and cause all kinds of problems and the leadership doesn't deal with them. These, these, these can cause some serious problems. In, in fact, in the story of um, Eli's sons, uh, Hoffman and Phineas, it said that, that he had caused the people of God to arbor the sacrifices of and offerings, right? To despise them. Now we think about what goes on in our churches today. There's there's lots of things that go on that cause people um, to be turned off with church. And uh, you know, serious stuff, legitimate stuff. And so it, it it's serious, it's very serious what's happening. So let's turn to our point tonight, which is how to what role does the community of believers play in such scenarios? Okay, what what, what how can the community of believers provide some um, some help here. Um, first, I would say that it's imperative that uh, members of the body have a direct relationship with God and that they're directly engaged in the word. Knowledge is power. So the reason I say directly is because so often we are told what thus saith the Lord. Right. Uh, from, especially from the from the slant of leadership. If somebody is intentionally and, and, and let me back up, because it's not always intentionally. Some people just don't have it right somehow. They, they just don't get it. But when you're told, you're told from the slant of those in leadership who are not conducting themselves right. Right. So if it's intentionally, it's, it's to their benefit for you not to know, because then they can tell you, you know, in their way uh, how things are supposed to be. But sometimes it happens unintentionally. But but you need to know what does say the Lord for yourself. So in doing so, um, it helps you even identify what's right behavior and what's wrong behavior. Right? You, if, you were in a, if you're depending on what somebody is telling you, that can get a little bit wonky depending on who that source is. Uh, but it's also beneficial 
because it helps you to know what to do when things go wrong. Okay, so you need to know the word for yourself. You need to be in connection with God yourself. And I, I can't tell you, I've heard so many times from people who um, are afraid to stand up to leadership. And when I say stand up, I'm not talking about being confrontational. I'm talking about you know dealing with things, speak to, say something about, what, what, however you want to call that, who are afraid to speak to people in leadership, especially pastors, because they feel like it's being disrespectful. You know, the, the role of a pastor is, is put up in such high esteem that, you know, how dare you question me? And, 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 and you know, it's disrespectful. So, you know, anyway, I don't get that, but I've heard of such things happening. Uh, but that's not true. You're not disrespecting when you speak up and when, when you say something. So God has built into his word ways for individuals and the community and for the community to handle conflict. Okay, so let's look at it. Now at Newark, you, you, ought to, you ought to know where I'm going with this because we did a whole series in our small groups uh, a year or so ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, about how to handle conflict. And if leadership, whether you call it pastors, whoever, right, they're a part of the, 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 the community. So they're not exempt from uh, the the um, the method that God has put in place for us to handle conflict. So first of all, I want to say one of the main things we can do as a community is speak up. Let's let's not be silent. Okay, and I'm going to go to Matthew. Let me go to Matthew five uh, and uh, twenty three and twenty four, and it says, and we, we're we're familiar with this, right? So it says, so if we're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Right? That someone can be somebody in leadership. Right? Leave your sacrifice at the altar and go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So you've got some shady stuff going on in your church and it's leaving you feeling some kind of way. Right? I'm just leaving that loose that way, some kind of way. You go to the altar and you're like, no, go and handle that. Right? And notice that the, the wording here is go and be reconciled. So the intention is not to go and call out, you know, get the next wagon and then, you know, I'm going to tell you off. No, 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 no. Go, go, go and attempt to make things right. right. Go and try to make things right. So that's that, that, that whole face to face thing. Uh, Matthew 18, I'm backing up actually. Matthew 18, uh, 15 through 17 says, so, so here we have another example. So here's if you're going to offer your sacrifice and you, you know something, you remember something ain't right, you go deal with it, come back. But um, Matthew 18 says, uh, and 15 says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. Okay. So first thing, again, these rules of conflict, how to handle conflict, they're not just on a member to member. And, and, and maybe they are, because again, I want to do away with that hierarchy. But tonight I'm talking about fallible leadership. And there's a there's a mentality that we have as people that leaders are somehow on a different level. Well, there's a different set of rules that applies to them. And that's just not so. Right? Uh, leaders in the context that we're talking about are members of the body of Christ. So therefore, the same rules apply. And so if, uh, you know, God forbid that something as is, is heinous as what was happening with Eli and his sons, uh, but but say it is. Well, you know, it doesn't matter, right? If, if they're not handling themselves correctly, this is what the scripture says. We do. go go to them privately. Don't call them out in front of everybody. Right? That's that's not what God says to do. Don't you know you don't you don't have to go, you know, a lot of times what we do is we go talking about it to everybody else but the person. Okay. That doesn't solve anything. And we and, and many of us have experienced that and we know that doesn't solve anything. Um in fact it just it just exacerbates the issue. 
But anyway, go to that person face to face. You know, see what you, I see what you're doing here. You know, talk to them about it. And, and, and do. But the goal is that if you can win that person back, maybe that lead, that leader will be somebody humble. You know, we can think about uh, David when Nathan went and called him out about his behavior, and, and David humbled himself and uh, repented and, and and got back on the right track. Um, there's an example of you know talk about speaking truth to power. I mean, Nathan had to you know get his nerve up to go on there and say something. David was king, and even he wasn't exempt from from uh from this. So, verse um, sixteen says, "But if that if you are unsuccessful, so let's say the person leadership they don't listen. Who you think you thought they did?" Right. Don't come in here, okay? I had to add a little funny in that. You know how I get. But that's how sometimes people who are um, who have an overblown opinion of themselves or somebody who is being, you know, deliberately abusive. Sometimes they, they you know, they, they don't take lightly to be questioned or to, or, to, or to be spoken to. And they get a, who do you think you are? In other words, I am higher mighty than you. All right. Whatever the case. If you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you. And go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Okay? Try it again. Don't just let it rest. Sometimes we say, well, I try to talk to them and listen to me. So, oh, well. And you just go. And meanwhile, they're allowed to run amok and, you know, cause all kinds of problems. Like, no, no, no. Try it again. Take two with you. Go back in, have that conversation. And, or three if necessary. And see if you can uh, prevail the next time. Verse 17 says, now, if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Okay. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt, corrupt tax collector. So here there's a, there's a succession here of, of, of steps you can take. Yeah. If it comes down to it, I'm thinking about that in the context of Eli and his sons, for example, and, and had that, you know, he, Eli said he had heard, you know, uh, from from others, but uh, nobody really pressed the matter apparently. Okay, but when things are seriously, uh, when when serious things are happening like that, you gotta you gotta stay on it. Okay, if it means bringing them before the whole church, right, for the church's decision. You know, I wonder what kind of support Eli had or didn't have. We'll talk about that a little bit later here, but um, but here are some steps that you can take to deal with. You don't just let it be. Right. There's mutual accountability in the in the church. You know, I thought it was very strange that when Eli saw uh, Hannah praying that he made that assumption that she was the daughter of Belial. I thought, man, you you know, you're accusing somebody else and, you, and your own son's running the muck. But, you know, maybe it's because he knew what it looked like. I'm not sure. Um, but there's mutual accountability. There's nobody in the church who shouldn't be accountable to somebody else. And so leaders are accountable not only to God, but they're accountable to the people. They serve you. So there's accountability there. And remember, the goal is not about getting people in trouble or, or you know, that kind of the goal is reconciliation. But if the leaders refuse, something gotta happen. Either they gotta go or you gotta go. So I mentioned earlier that so Eli, he was aware that his sons were doing horrible things. And according to him, he had received reports, right? As if he had no firsthand knowledge. Like seriously, all this is going on right under your nose. You have no firsthand knowledge. Uh, and the scripture says, but when he spoke to his son, they paid him no attention. Yet he did nothing to stop them, okay? Eli didn't do anything to stop his sons. And some may say, well, he tried, but they didn't listen. 
Uh, I didn't put this in our verses tonight, but First Samuel 3 says, I have warned him against the judgment, that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. God expected Eli to stop them. Okay. You, you know, you, you, you don't talk to big, I don't know what these guys are, teenagers, young adults, whatever, but, but if talking don't do it, you have to stop them. Get up out of here. Right now, he, he really should have, he, he should have done whatever it took to stop them. Now, I don't know what the community of believers were like in Eli's time, you know, with the tabernacle and all. But I wanted the the the, uh, the community could have rallied around Eli and helped him, you know, force them out. You know, and one thing that I know that was was within their power is you can say I'm not bringing my sacrifices here. Now, I know that was a different day; it was a different system right then. But but you know, at best, you you don't have to allow yourself to be somebody's victim. And again, that this happens a. Uh, I would say a lot sometimes. You don't have to allow yourself to be somebody's victim, right? That's not God's will for you, you know, just to arbitrarily go about and just be, you know, at the the uh, the will of somebody who's abusive in, in that manner. And so um, in those days, you know, everybody traveled to this tabernacle at Shallow. You know, they didn't have churches all over the place like we did. So perhaps it may have been a little bit more challenging, but, but nonetheless, God expected Eli to stop those sons. And, uh, so, again, I wonder if Eli could enlisted the help of somebody in the community. I mean, after all, that was that man of God who came and told Eli what God said about him, who gave Eli that prophecy. And maybe, uh, you know, Eli could have relied on somebody else or, you know, some of the other leaders, if you will, in the, in the, in the church community. Uh, which brings me to the point about some of the things that happens uh, these days. You know, often uh, people in leadership uh, are ashamed to share what they're going through with other people. You know, because people expect, especially in the church, they expect the, the pastor and the leaders to have it all together. And so that's a that's a dynamic that we need to address in the church because nobody has it all together. OK, they need to be a, some uh, some safe place for them to talk or to share about the things that they're going through. So the community is needed for support, for encouragement, for maintaining order and integrity uh, and for um, reconciliation. Right. The goal and those steps that I outlined there was was for reconciliation. But we don't just uh, allow ourselves to be uh, abused and, and, and for the people of God to be abused and, and just feel like we have no recourse. We have no way to deal with those things like the community of, of God should be a place where people are safe. Right. We deal with a whole bunch of mess out there. Right? The world is where we expect all these crazy things, but the community of believers is supposed to be a safe place, right? a place of refuge. Our well-being and our souls are not disposable. Right? Don't let anybody tell you that because you're, you know, uh, that, that you just have to be at the mercy of some abusive leader uh, and that kind of thing. But you can affect them. And I do mean this because I don't I don't mean to, to leave this on the note that um, that some of the leaders and things are, are deliberately that way. Right. We're talking about fallible leadership. Right. Humans. You know, what, what was that? Socrates. Somebody said the air is human. Right. It happens and it can happen. Uh, but the, but the point I want to draw out tonight, that as a community of believers, you have power. You have power to help restore and reconcile and, you know, maybe point out something to a leader that, that perhaps they don't see. We talked about when leaders have a blind spot, you know, early in the week. Um, but you have the ability to help and support. Uh, but you have to be active in that. You have to have a right heart. Right. We're not out to get people or to, right? we're out to, to help uh, restore. Again, we talk about that ministry of reconciliation. 
And so here I share with you, again, a pretty graphic story with Eli, his son tonight of a, of, of a severe case, but um, they're, they're lesser cases, but pretty damaging cases that, that churches deal with. And just because you're a pastor doesn't make you exempt. Right. And, and just because you're a member, I'm, I'm using those terms in purpose, doesn't mean you ha don't have any authority. Right. You can you play a key role in the community of believers. Well, I hope that uh, resonated with somebody tonight. If you're in some kind of scenario like that and you feel like you have no voice, speak up. If not, take a couple with you and go speak up again. And if that doesn't help, take it to the whole church and get some resolution. But we're not called to be victims in the kingdom of God. Right. We're 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 called to be in community and community should be a safe place. Well, I thank you all. I'm going to crash land right there whew, uh, for joining us tonight and uh, look forward to seeing you all again. Let's see. This is Saturday uh, tomorrow evening for uh, another message. And um, don't forget that if you want to know anything about us, NewarkUPC.info is a great place to stop. And uh, there's lots of what we call them cards there. You can click on them, the different things, share um, prayer requests and praise reports. Many of you we've never seen, but we've been receiving your prayer requests uh, come through new, uh, newarkpc.info. And we have been praying for those requests. Uh, we've been praying for the needs that you have uh, listed there. So be sure to do that. If you got good news, put in a praise report. Um, you want to know about our kids' classes that are held online. That information is there as well. But that's your one-stop shop place for all things Newark. So be sure to go there and learn more about us. Well, thank you all for joining tonight. God bless you all and have a wonderful evening.